Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent, controversial, groundbreaking. The great liberators are coming. Hosts Amiri Brown and Kenya White take on all topics intrinsic to the black experience. No topic is too cold or too hot. Now, here are the great liberators, Amiri Brown and Kenya White. Hey, how's everyone doing out there? This is your host, Amiri Brown, host of the Great Liberators Radio Show, coming live at you on this Sunday night. Um, the topic for tonight is child abuse in the black community. I'm joined by my two lovely guest co-hosts, April Gail Lee and Sister Leona. Are y'all there? I'm joined by my two lovely guest co-hosts, April Gail Lee and Sister Leona. Are y'all there? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, somebody, so you got to turn, you, whatever device you're listening on, you got to turn it down. It's, 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 it's having feedback. Yes, I'm here. What about, what about you, you Leona? Okay. I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? All right, now, I need y'all to go in. Huh? Are you hearing me okay? What you said? Can yeah, I can you hear, hear you okay. Good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Now, I need y'all to go into, are y'all in the Google Hangout yet? Okay, yeah, you are, Leonie. Yeah. Where you at, April? Um, do you have the link? I, I emailed it to you. Okay, I, I didn't you. get that email. I didn't get that email. You didn't get it? No. Uh, let, me, let me resend it. Okay. Um, hold on one second. What's up, YouTube family? <laughs> email you this link. Okay. 
I just re- I just re emailed it to you. Okay. okay. So let me go back over. I got the summary. I just didn't get that one. Oh, okay, because it okay. went into my junk. All right, hold on. Hold on. I got it. Hold on. We got a call on the line. Let me see. Yeah, call on. What's up? I'm right. How you doing? Oh, what's up? What's up, man? Yeah, we know we're talking about child abuse in the black community tonight. Uh, what's up? What, right. what, what, what you got on your mind? Damn, I'm a racist. You got to turn that. I can only hear you from the computer now. Okay, I'm back. All right. You still got to turn it down. What is that? <laughs> is that too loud, You're probably going to have to mute it. It's going to keep feeding. Probably gonna, It's going to keep feeding back. Is it still feeding back? No, not now. Okay. Okay. You know what? I, 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 it'll probably be better if y'all just stay on the Google Hangout and and and, and um get off the Blog Talk site. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. So yeah, just just, yeah, y'all two just hang up. And then Okay. Okay. I got Cynthia. I'm going to bring Cynthia on. Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Yeah, hold on. Listening on, um, Cynthia. Do you have it planned? Because it's, it's some it's feedback coming from somewhere. I don't. My line is actually muted because I'm cooking, so I'm muted in between. I muted the phone, so you wouldn't be able to hear any feedback on my end. April, you got something planned, April. I think you, one of y'all got something planned. Well, my volume is all the way down, so if I turn it down any further, I won't be able to hear y'all. You gonna hear us through this? You see what I'm saying? You're going to listen to this. You got to turn that down. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm doing. I'm listening to this, my computer. I don't have anything else on. It's playing from somewhere. That's what I'm doing. I'm listening to this, my computer. Yeah, see? <laughs> you got to turn right. that down. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got to turn it down. There's a delay. Yeah, there's a delay. <laughs> well, how would I be able to hear y'all? You in the conversation. You're going to be able to hear. No. <laughs> I'm just listening. You're going to be talking. Huh? Okay, my volume is all the way down to the point I can barely hear y'all. I know. You're going to hear through this. I got it on speaker. Cynthia, you still there? I'm still here. All right, hold on. Let me now. Let me try and connect my speaker. <laughs> oh, let me see something. Power on. Bluetooth pairing. Hold on. Okay. All right, hey Cynthia, say something for me. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. You sound loud and clear. Cynthia, you there? I'm here. Okay. Okay. April, you got to turn it it all the way. You got to mute it. You got to be muted on your computer. (laughs) You got to be muted on your computer, man. You can't. You, you're not listening through the computer. You're going to listen live. You see what I'm saying? You got it muted? You muted it, April? <laughs> Let's do so. All right. So I guess we got that squared away. Let me see something. I guess, I guess, no, she is still playing. Who is that? That's still you, April? Well, when I put it on mute, I can't hear you. So how am I supposed to hear you? you That's what I'm trying to figure out. What you mean you can't hear me? You, you're listening to me? 
No, I'm not. I cannot hear. If I put my computer on mute, then I cannot hear you guys talking. You're muting the wrong thing, then. you mute mm-hmm. that system. You got to mute. Um... No, I'm not. I cannot hear. If I put my computer on mute, then so, wait, I what you, what you, what you connected to? You, you listening? You on, blue, you on the blog talk site? Yeah. No, get out. That's what I'm saying. Get off the blog talk site. Just get off of it. I clicked. I clicked the link that you sent me. I know, but you, you don't need to be on that though. No, I'm on the Google Hangout. Let me see. I'm on Google Hangout. So you're not on. You're not. Well, where the feedback coming from then? I have no idea. But like I said, you want me to mute it, then I can't hear nothing. When I mute it, so I don't know what's going on. Mm. I can log out and try to log back in. I can try that. Let me try that. Okay, yeah, try that. Okay. But anyway, the topic for tonight is child abuse in the black community. But before we get to that, we want to we want to discuss a couple of current events. Um, well, the thing in the news right now is is Amarosa and Cynthia. You actually did a show. You actually did a show on about. Amarosa last night, right? Yeah, and I, I actually wanted to go into it a little bit more, but we weren't able to because, you know, there were so many different other things to, to be talked about. But I definitely wanted to go mm-hmm. a little bit more um, into it. And I wanted to go more into it with you being on there, Mary. I wanted to hear your, your take on it. Right. Well, I think she, you know, I, I, I think... I, like I don't have this this thing where I um I do like a a knee jerk visceral reaction everything I like to just observe you see what I'm saying because my the way I look at it is it's not where you are it's what you're doing where you are you know what I'm saying and there and I and like there was this I think this frenzy from a from a lot of black people that said she was a coon and stuff like that which you know she might be but. You know, at a, to a certain point, at a certain point, like I can't blame her for trying to get with a for, for trying to get with a winning team because, like it or not, Donald Trump won, so she made the right choice. And as far as that's concerned, you know what I'm saying? Politics is about quid pro quo. That's what it is. There are no permanent friends and no permanent enemies in the world of politics. You see what I'm saying? It's all about who can do something for you as you do something for them. You know what I mean? So that's the way I always looked at it. And she's playing the game right. She's playing the game. She's beating them at their own game. She's doing essentially what I believe that that all black people should be doing, which is using their tactics against them. And, you know, the thing of it is, is, I, I think everybody had a right, right. They were had a right and just reason to say that she was a coon because you have to look at the whole campaign and all the things that she was condoning um, with Donald Trump. And, and in a lot of her interviews, they were bringing up those things and saying, "Well, you said this on this day, and you said that on that day." So she she does look like she contradicted herself a lot until she played that victim mm-hmm. card. Then it put them all right. put it all into perspective when she played the victim card. So I'm actually, I mean, those are tactics I've played at work dealing with institutional racism, and they do work. So I can't fault her right. on, you know, what she's doing now. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I hope she takes them to the cleaners. But like I was saying last night, you know, she's in. I believe she's in danger. You know, she's in. Um, you know mortal danger because these aren't the type of people that you play with. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
They don't take well, they don't take L's lightly. What somebody, somebody else well, to say something? Well, the thing is, no. Well, the thing is, I almost feel like she pulled that card so they can back off. I don't. I, I, she didn't really release much information. She's just mm. kind of giving a taste. Like, listen, I have more where this came from. Right. <laughs> so I almost feel like she was almost threatening them to a certain degree. Say, listen, I have additional information. If you go further, I'm going to pull it out. You know what I mean? Because she didn't really release anything yet. She, she didn't say anything thus far. She, she's just letting them know that mm. I was paying attention, I was reporting information, and there's more with that thing. Right. But, you know, they, so I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost feeling like she's just letting them know, like, to back off. Right. Um, the other thing, too, like, that's why she can't, if she was smart, she wouldn't She wouldn't release too much information. But that's probably the only level she has that will, you know, provide her any type of safety. I said I said it last night in the chat room, saying I said, watch, she's probably going to flee to Russia. You know what I'm saying? She's, like, her career and, and everything, she's going to be blacklisted anyway. Like, even if if there was no, you know, no um, prospect of, of danger, she's just gonna, she's going to be blacklisted. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know that, you know, white supremacy doesn't doesn't take any L's lying down, nor, nor do they take any L's um, lightly. You know what I'm saying? So her career is... Specifically for black people. Right. Exactly. They, they, like, that's they, even... They, uh... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, they above all, they might take mm-hmm. an L to somebody other than a black person, but they're not. They don't. They don't take L's from black people at all. And they'll obsess over it for um, for a very long time, and they'll they figure out how they 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 um, set themselves up to take that L. But I think what she should do is she shouldn't release the inf- all of the information. She should hold on to some of it because it's leverage, obviously. But what she should do is she should set it in place to where if something happens to her, the information gets released anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If she was smart, that's what she'd do. And she and look, she she she's uh, I think I, I think all her time on that show, Apprentice probably served as a as a as a a bit of training. You know what I'm saying? To like groom her to be able to operate and function in those you know in those spaces. You know what I'm saying? Because like you were just talking about on your job and stuff. Like we know how how the office politics is and and you know just the low level jobs that we work. Just imagine when you get to that that echelon of uh of politics, how corrupt and how cutthroat it is. You know what I'm saying? But the next thing I wanted to touch on in the current current events is the violence in Chicago. Um, you know, in the, in the last couple of weeks, seventy four people have been shot over the weekend and they said that like that's been the most violent weekend in two years. You know what I'm saying? I, now I, I know like some that some people are Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I just I don't believe it, and and they've been doing every single year they put out um, mm-hmm. like if if you type into Google um, people uh, dying in Chicago violent weekend and you put 2017, 16, and 15, you're you're gonna see articles come up for each and every year, and that's why I don't believe it. I think that it's been orchestrated. I think that if um, if if you're having year after year tons of people getting murdered and nobody's getting arrested, how, how does that like? I, I don't know how that doesn't cause. Um, how how does it not cause doubt in anybody's mind? I mean that that's not possible. It's not possible for these phantom <laughs> gangs to be running around murdering up everybody every weekend every year and then nobody's ever getting caught. And unless the people who are doing it are the Chicago police. 
Well, well, I, 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 this is the way I know that that law enforcement, you know, works and operates, especially when it comes to like so-called gang violence. Is they, 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 they look at it like okay, because when somebody is killed, they'll say this is how they start their investigation. They'll be like, okay, who's his friends? Who's his enemies? You know what I'm saying? And so that, and so once they know who your friends and your enemies are, they going they know that nine times out of ten, if you kill somebody then it's going to be returned. So they, I, I, I believe they're not even, they don't even try and find out who, who killed who. They know that the, street, the, the streets know, you know what I'm saying? And so they know that majority of the time it's going, to be a, it's, it's going to be a retaliatory murder. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a murder for a murder. Like that's, that's, and, and not only that too, like I was talking to somebody the other day and I was just mentioning how Chicago has a, has a history of violence. You know what I'm saying? Like in the 1920s with, you know, uh, the raging 20s, you had Al Capone. Right, right. Prohibition, the Italians, the Irish, even the, even the Jews. Even the Jews was involved in that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, it's just, uh, I think it has to be about, you know, like maybe providing some type of opportunities, like in, in, in those areas. And I, and, and I get what you're saying, too, Sin, how, you know, they do exaggerate it and they do, you know, talk about it in, in very hyperbolic ways and make you just think like it's it's the wild wild west out there like a lot of times that that violence if it is organic or if it is coming from coming from those spaces it's targeted it's targeted it's not ran it's not like just random violence you see what i'm saying like that's what i believe that somebody will kill somebody and then the other the other who connected with him they're gonna come back and they're gonna retaliate like that's 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 normally you know how it goes April or Leone, what y'all think about it? I um, feel like there is some violence among blacks in Chicago, but I think the government has taken a part of it as far mm-hmm. as increasing those numbers. Um, they saw the opportunity, and I think they may have something behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely understand a lot of gang violence down there and things of that nature. So I, I do think there's something suspicious going on with the consistency and not a lot of people being locked up behind them. Um, what, what exactly is going on, I'm not sure, but I do think government is a part of it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Leonie? My uh, thing, the way I look at it is the streets have codes, okay? Mm-hmm. People are not going to be shooting up every other day. <laughs> That's just not how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's certain areas where they have, know, certain control over spots and areas. No one's going to be shooting up every other day. That's that's against street culture. The whole idea of Chicago just being this war zone doesn't even make any sense. If you look at the history of shooting, yeah, you're going to have some shootings here and there from time to time. But all these additional casualties that have nothing to do with the Chicago, obviously it's being orchestrated. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't fit the whole idea of what happens in the street. It doesn't work like that. No one wants to get caught. No mm-hmm. one wants to be arrested. No, you know, so they're not going to... You ever heard the term, the block is hot? Right. <laughs> you know, there's a reason why people say the block is hot. Right. Like, no one's going to be out there shooting randomly uh, all these different people that have nothing to do with the beef to only be caught. That's not how it works out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you know that there's a second hand being played in. So, right. absolutely, I think... It's without even getting all the information, you know that there's an additional hand. Mm. You know, and then there's also these different reports of people shooting up certain areas and stuff like that, and they're not getting any kind of suspect. Right. Does that make sense? 
Right. There's no there's no no leads, no suspects, no anything. My thing is, it's like, notice how they'll always say, oh, it's gun violence but or gang violence, but they'll never tell you which gangs they are. So if you know that it's gang violence, and if you're, you have identifiers that is coming from a gang, usually there's an identifier of which gang it's coming from. But they'll just say gang violence because in people's mind, gangs mean black people. Although there's Asian gangs, right. there's white Latino gangs, there's, you know, Italian, Russian gangs, but they'll just say gangs because they want gangs to be synonymous with black people. And, and police officers know who's out there and who's not out there. So for me to believe that all of this is going on and they have no idea, they have no idea. They they know they just don't care like they because they figure they are gonna kill each other off anyway like it's just going you know they don't care like the police like you know like and that's something I said that you what you essentially have in America is is law enforcement acting as a as a as a criminal organization that's basically that's basically what it is. Oh, my power went off. Oh, it must be dead. Yeah, that's basically what it is though. You know what I'm saying? But um, the next topic, the next thing in current events was did did you, did you guys see um did you guys see the the Baltimore police officer who who, who beat who brutally beat that that black guy? Did y'all see that? I did. Yeah. I briefly, I think I briefly saw a picture of it. Was he like mm-hmm. he was he was a really dark skinned black man, right? Right. Okay, I I think I saw a, a, a article of it. I didn't really read into it because I I said I'm not going to cover cases like that anymore because it's not like black people are willing to do anything about it. So I just I I, I refuse to cover cases like that. I just I, they, there's too much talk of hair and makeup and edges while these things are happening. So I, I can't be I can't talk about it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was um, it it was unfortunate. I think I think part of it is, you know, a lot of these cops, man, probably suffer from PTSD. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, too, it goes back to what you just said, too, saying They know that uh, that there's there's not going to be any retaliation. You know what I'm saying? They know that, man. We're not going we're not going to do that. And we sit there. Hey, I'm, I'm filming now. You know that ain't right. You need to cut that out. You know, we might do that. But as far as like act, you know. Um, levying real repercussions for for those actions, you know, ain't ain't nothing happening, Captain. You know what I'm saying? But the calling number is six four six five six four nine eight five eight five eight. If anybody in the chat room wants to call, has a question or a comment, you're more than welcome to call up and um and ask that question. And I have to disagree about um, PTSD. I don't think that that's it at all. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, that they know that they can get away with it. And that's the primary reason why they do it. The other reason why that even a black person would do it is because even though it's white supremacy, some black people subscribe to white supremacy. That's and true. And they support and facilitate. So I think in this part of case, that's what it really was about. You know, he knew he'd get away with it. Mm. He, he wanted to maybe fit in with other cops. I don't know. But a lot of black people subscribe 
the white supremacy. So just because it's white supremacy does not mean that black people don't participate in it as well and try to hold other black people down based on white supremacy. So to me, that's what it basically was about. Was the dude beaten by a black cop? He was beaten by a black cop? children. 
Right. And it's not okay. So I think that that's, that's the culprit behind, you know, the abuse in our community. Um, I definitely think that we have to change our mindset. We have to change the way that we treat our children. Um, because the way that we um, treat our children is not 100% correct, and we think that it is. And it's not. And even when children grow up having been abused, they think that it's okay. Like I talk to people and they tell me stories about their childhood and they describe abuse, but they describe it in a way well, that's what got me right, that's what freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And I just look horrified at them. Just because that happens to you does not mean that it's right. Right. So that's, that's pretty much how I feel about that. We, the root cause is, like I said, years of abuse that we suffered during slavery, not only physical abuse, but rape as well. And so that's why, you know, we have high rates of sexual abuse, physical abuse in our community because it's been imprinted in our mind. Right. What about you, Leonie? Well, um, April brings up an interesting topic about the situation and abuse. When we really think about it, we, we look at slavery from a um, work point of view and mm-hmm. the fact that we were getting uh, – you know, there were basically labor was being um, completed free, right? But right. it's actually sexual trafficking as well. Mm. The whole when you when you really think deeply about a lot of the stories that we hear about slavery, that was sexual trafficking. Okay, there there was some sort of uh, attachment and, and control on another level beyond just the workforce. Okay, right. Um, so to a certain degree, it's been passed down to us generations later because, as I stated before, there's a break in that discussion between the person that was wise and the person that is learning because of the fact that we have slavery in between, we have mass incarceration in between, we have all these different breaks of our culture in between that's leading to the physical, the emotional, the the sexual abuse that is taking place today, okay, because we have a lot of broken people. So going back to what April just said, yes. A lot of it stems from slavery. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of slavery mentality has been passed down to today. Even though we don't want to admit it, even though we feel like, okay, it's 2018, we're far beyond that. We're not. Right. You know, so um, my thoughts on it is that the, what you were saying earlier about how we discipline our children, there are many faults to it because um, the disrespect, you know, in terms of what we, what, how we discipline our children have to be addressed because we're not thinking about this long-term psychological effects and how we're talking to our children. Exactly. You know, we're just thinking, okay, this child is being annoying. We want to stop them. We want to slow them down from doing what they're doing. But we're not thinking about the damages caused long-term and in their adulthood, especially to the male child. You right. Know? Exactly. The male human child. Let me, <laughs> let me clarify. The man child. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to ruffle feathers. But right. for the man child, there's there's issues there, especially when you're talking about a single mother that's disciplined, someone that's in the family. Okay, because when we're in the midst of it, I have three boys. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're in the, we're in the midst of it, and they're acting up. We're not thinking necessarily like, okay, if I say something to this person. Long term, this is going to affect. We're just thinking we just want to stop with this. Right. You know what I mean? But there's 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 an action for every everything that they do. That's that's going to actually mold them. And I think in our community, because we're so disjointed and disconnected from what it means to be wise and to 
to raise a child upright, we don't think about what we think and what we do and what we say to a child on a day-to-day basis that's molding them. Mm. You know what I mean? Even though we may not even mean wrong. We may not even mean wrong. That might not be our intention, okay? Mm-hmm. But then fast forward, when the child becomes an adult, there, there's damage. Right. So it all connects back to, again, and I'm not going to make it much longer, but it all connects back to the whole disconnect from slavery going down to the generations that we're, we're at right now. Because mm-hmm. everyone thinks that we're so far removed from slavery. We're not. We're right. not. It wasn't that long ago. Right, it's true. It's it, really, true. It, it really wasn't. So we have to think about rebuilding. We have to think about restructuring. We have to think about restarting and, and really analyzing how we speak to male and female humans, <laughs> men and women, if we right. that, and, and what, how it can affect them in the long run. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Cynthia, what you have um, to say about I don't think it's just slave, slavery. I think a, a part of it, excuse me, I have the hiccups, but I think a part of it is slavery um, <clears throat> because, of course, I always say that we were raised by the, the system of white supremacy, so every facet of black people's life is um, dictated by what white people told them, you know, this is how you should act. But I think we also need to look at the fact that if you look at society and even with, with these police killings, ultimately what society is saying that if black people don't comply with whatever you want to, them to do, the way to get them to do that is to give them extreme force. And then you have no, no sympathy for them because they just should have complied. That's why whenever you see a police murder a black person, they say, well, they should have complied, they should have complied, they should have complied. So ultimately it's saying abuse black people up to death if they don't do what you tell them to do. And that is the way that you get, you get cooperation and compliance. And so we also need to look at that because when, when you compare it to how they treat white people, it's always, even with this drug epidemic, you know, that's a crime. So ultimately it's bad behavior, but what are they saying? Don't put them in jail, rehabilitate them, basically coddle them. But when it was black people, it's give them the most severe form of punishment that you can. So I think we're just in a household mimicking some form of slavery and living in a system of white supremacy. Right. Um, You know, that's, that's, um, that's absolutely correct. Cause you know what, like we, we are, we, we conflate violence against our children with, with disciplining them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not dis- disciplining the child. Beating the child is not disciplining the child. You know what I'm saying? And I think because my father, he was a he was a strict, you know what I'm saying, disciplinarian. I mean, he would, man, he could give out some hell of fire whoopings. You know what I'm saying? But I I I, I had to come to realize that that wasn't discipline. You know what I'm saying? Because what discipline uh, denotes is structure. You know what I'm saying? It denotes. Uh, you know, a structured existence. You know what I'm saying? And that's what children need. Children, children basically need, you know, structure. You know what I'm saying? Routine, habit, things like that. You know what I'm saying? And I, like any time that that we so-called discipline our children from a reactionary standpoint, well, then we that's not discipline. You know what I'm saying? I think that's when it becomes when it becomes abuse. Like I, I bet, like if you ask 
um, a bunch of black people. I, and I would I would venture to say probably in the South, if you ask them what was one of the worst things they ever got whooped with, I bet you they would say an extension cord. I bet you they would say like an extension cord. I think about that. And that wasn't just you know in the saying? South. I, can, I promise that you that just wasn't in, in the South. I'm thinking that was black people globally. Yeah. <laughs> Extension cord wasn't no joke, boy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we got some more feedback. Somebody, you got to mute. You got to mute that. All right. Um. So, so what's some of the stats we got, y'all? I know y'all y'all did some um research on the stats. What's the what's the stats? Yeah. Uh, Hold on, though. What are we? What are we defining? Like, what is um, what is encompassed with abuse, though? Because I, I know that it's the you know if you look at the way the white community defines abuse of their children versus abuse of black people, anything to a white person could be abuse. That's why you know they got mad shooters and stuff because they don't do anything. So. Yeah. And I'm right. thinking we need um, to ask, we need to add not teaching your child about white supremacy. We need to put that under abuse as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what? No, you're, you're absolutely right. Because I came up in my research when I was thinking about mm-hmm. what they constitute as abuse. There, you know, obviously there's physical, emotional, I have a list here, neglect, emotional, sexual, psychological. But when you're talking about neglect, you're right. There is some interchangeable. Uh, situations in terms of what they consider to be neglect versus what's non-neglect. Mm. Because if a mom is, is doing multiple tasks in a day, okay, mm. and she she takes a little longer to pick up her child on a Tuesday, you know what I mean? Maybe they have the after-school program to take a little longer to pick up her child. Right. They may call CPS. They might they might refer it to a social worker. So some of the some of the stats obviously are going to be skewed because of white supremacy. But we, we have to be real about that. So I right. agree with you. I was thinking the same thing in terms of what they constitute as uh, as actual neglect versus what's actual neglect. So I agree with you. So a lot of these numbers are based, based on what they're saying, but we have to also think about, you know, the, the skewed amount. You know what right. I mean? It's not accurate 100%, but, it's, you know, give or take, what are we working with? So I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Right. Um, but I mean, we so at the just, same time though we we've heard stories of the of the of the of the trifling hood rat. You know what I'm saying? Like who? Yeah, she exists. Right. She, she, right. She, right. Right. She exists. We have to keep it real. You know, we we do know that she exists. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is that when you're looking at a wide scale stat, there's definitely going to be a difference of how people. Speak. Right. We can't deny that. Right. I agree. Because, because there's cultural differences. Right. That's true. You know what I mean? That's so true. we're so we're playing off estimates right now. We're not playing we're not playing off um, accurate estimates. Right. Um, so well, what's because the first number here? Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was just going to say quickly um, to, to piggyback off what she's saying is because it is cultural because some people in other cultures other than the Asian culture may think the way that they make their children study and the the, the emphasis that they put on academics and how grueling it is. Some people see that as abuse, you know, but they don't right. see that as abuse. They just see that as they're preparing their children for life and making them aspire, you know, to be great. Right. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, Leonie, what were you going to say about about some of the stats? 
No, I was just going to say, um, based on the Administration for Children and Families, okay, mm-hmm. um, they're saying that 13.9 so-called black children out of 1,000 were abused in 2016. Okay, so that's, a, that's a pretty high figure right there. That's about 14 children out of 1,000 mm-hmm. were abused. But, okay, you know, like we were saying earlier, that falls into the umbrella of physical, emotional, neglect, emotional, sexual, and psychological. So that's something to think about. In comparison, because they like to compare us, <laughs> the, the, the white children they're indicating were abused at 8.1 out mm. of 1,000. Obviously, when raw numbers are, they're a lot higher than us, but they're also indicating that their overall uh, amount in terms of the, the raw numbers on their population is high. But they're saying 8.1 out of 1,000 um, were their, their level of abuse as opposed to us at 13.9 children out of the thousand. So what you was going to say, April? I was going to say those stats are cute, but if we're really being honest, we know that those are not accurate because we know that most black children especially do not report being molested or abused. Mm. It's we underreport it, especially in our community, in our community, but especially in the black community. I agree with that because that's – um. That's one thing I was going to say is, like, and, you know, it's a famous quote from Malcolm X that the black woman is the most unprotected, you know, person in America. And, and, and that means that if she's the most unprotected, then her children are also the most unprotected. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? We have to, we have to, you know, we have to realize that and come to grips with it because it, do, it does go back to what Cynthia said. How do we define abuse? I mean, when we look at the sexual uh abuse statistics of our little girls, we know that it hovers right around 60%. And, like, you have brothers who who I've gotten into it with, you know, on on social media who will, you know, just dismiss that that st- statistic as being, you know, white supremacist propaganda. I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. You know what I'm saying? I think that is a way for us not to deal with the actual plight and the condition that we are in as a people. I think that that is is part of it, and that's not to say that there isn't, you know, a certain level of validity validity to you know black people being hesitant to accept information from the dominant society. But at the same time, it would you it, you would you could throw a rock and hit and hit somebody who hadn't been abused as a child, even though in our own communities we didn't define it as abuse. We didn't define it as abuse. You know what I'm saying? And and that was something like what Sister Leona talked about. She's talking about the way we communicate with our children. That's something that that, that is that is of the utmost importance, especially when it comes to the black boys. Because the other day mm-hmm. when I was angry man and Cerulean, you know, we were talking about superheroes. And the reason why that is important is because the message that it conveys to little white boys. Little white boys are able to see themselves as noble, as heroic as selfless, as sacrificing, as strong, capable. You see what I'm saying? Now, juxtapose that with what that with what they are. You see what I'm saying? Like, those things are, are, are important. And I think that you'll find that too many times, many sisters, they, they break that warrior spirit in their son by the way that they, by the way that they treat them, and by the way that they communicate with them. You see what I'm saying? And then when you have that treatment and that and that communication being positively reinforced by the larger society and the larger culture they exist in, it crystallizes something in them. 
And so then when these men grow up, we wonder why they are psychologically demand. Like that is a part of the psycho of the psycho psychological demanding process of the black male. You see what I'm saying? The, the way we see ourselves is important. You know, and I said that's something I said the other day that the mandate of black men is to inform young black boys that it is okay to be a man. Because black manhood and black masculinity is for, is for the most part villainized. It's villainized. It's seen as villainous. It's seen as malevolent. It's seen as somehow problematic. And I think that if we want to be honest, you have a lot of sisters who have who have internalized that message, who have internalized that programming, and they project that and they act on that. And and and, and the dangerous thing about it is when you when you internalize something like that, you act on it in very subtle and subconscious ways that you don't even realize that that's what you're doing. And because I know as a, as a young boy, when you do that to your your son, he's not going to order. He's not going to express that. He's not going to show that. You see what I'm saying? He's just going to he, he's going to take that pain and hide it deep within himself and just keep continue to do what he was doing. But that wound and that scar is still there. You see what I'm saying? So these are these are things that we must we must confront. And you know, like Cynthia said, she she's right. We do need to define what is what is abuse. Like, we, do we even have a standard in the black community? For what is normative childhood? Do we even have that? No. Right. I don't think we do. Not but not in terms of our community. Hold, hold if we do, it's going to be based on white people's concepts. Yeah, unfortunately. But but you know what? Like, to a certain extent, I can't really demonize that because they. That's why they're in the dominant position to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because so the biggest mass shooters, pedophiles, murderers, serial killers, and child rapists. So we, we have to look at yeah, that, I, too. Yeah, but I think that just goes to their nature. Because check this out, Sin. And this is something right. I always say. Like, it just goes over people's head. Like, they'll be like, see, as a woman, you got to be a man piece. That is a Eurocentric concept. I don't. I, as a woman, you don't have to be my piece. My piece as a man must come from within. And the reason why they push that trope is because the white male has a penchant for lashing out at, at his at his um environment and at those that are present in his environment. He does that. That is what he does. This isn't going my way, so all y'all gotta die. You see what I'm saying? Like this is what this wow. is what these white men would do. They would be out there in the world going through bullshit, then they would come home and beat the hell out of their wife. So he does that. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna internalize that behavior make and thereby making that trope relevant for you as a woman. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through what I go through out there in the world as a man, and when I get home, I'm gonna compartmentalize, and I'm gonna I'm I'm going to decompress and come in and deal with my family as 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 uh the man that's present there. That is the way you're supposed to do that. You see what I'm saying? But that's where that that's where that came from. So, you know, I just wanted to uh, talk about that. But April, you did some research on the topic too. What did you come up with? Well, I agree with you that a lot of men today. Uh, feel like that they really can't be men, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And being um, a man, a masculine man, is definitely demonized. However, being a feminine woman is also demonized as well. That's true. Uh, I don't know why it's demonized in our community, but it is. Um, women are not allowed to be women. They're told they need to be strong. 
um, and and be providers and protectors and everything's equal. So I'm not sure what's behind that. It could have something to do, like you said, with absentee fathers and abuse. Um, but I wanted to um, pick up on some things that Leone um, was talking about, mm-hmm. which is um, checking other people, checking our behaviors and stuff like that. I definitely have to check my behavior with my children mm-hmm. because a lot of things that my parents did wasn't right and was borderline abusive. So I have to check myself. Like my mom used to call me names she did in fun, but it wasn't right. So I have to check myself because I remember how it affected me as a child, even though I know my mom didn't know better. So it's important um, when we're talking about abuse, if you see uh, friends or family members abusing their kids, going too far with their kids, you need to pull them aside and talk to them about it. That's what we really have to start doing in our community. And we also have to check ourselves. We have to think about when we were children, um, how it made us feel certain things and how it has affected us, and we have to not do that with our children. I pride myself on that because my mom, like I always, I love her to death, and she meant no harm, but she, she, you know, black people, we like to talk crazy to each other. Right. So my mom would say anything at any time. She called me heifers, this, this, and that, and, all, and she would always, like, you know, just be critical like a lot of black people are in certain areas. So I had to check myself on that. So that's, that's important um, to do. So, like I said, we need to definitely... Um, check ourselves first, mm-hmm. and then if we see it, we need to check each other because we don't do that. A lot of times we just see um, black people abusing their kids or mistreating their kids or not treating their kids right, and we just be silent. We can no longer be silent about that. Right, right. What you got to say about it, Sin? Um, you know, the, the, the thing of it is this, because I was going to comment on when you said people dismissing the data. Um, it seems like usually the data is, is dismissed depending on who's act, who is in favor of or who is in, against, uh, you know. Yeah. Because, of course, if you say the statistic of most, um, you know, little black girls being sexually abused, um, which you you could I mean I know too many of them who were I know way too many of them them who were right. so it, it boils down to who would be the culprit most likely of abusing those little black girls right and so then it comes to the men probably not wanting to take accountability for the fact that they're <laughs> primarily the ones who are abusing these girls but they will cling to a statistic. Or or a claim, because I don't think there's any specific statistics out, out there, although we know that it's a huge issue, because me and you were just talking about it um, the other day, and then my sister mentioned something to me about, you know, black mothers verbally berating their little black boys. Like, she said she saw one in the store telling them, screaming at them, telling them to get their black ass over, you know, that narrative. So it's like who's whose favor when we're dismissing or believing this data? Whose favor is it in, or who is it against? And that's how we should be able to put it into context. But the reality of it is, at this point, I think it's undisputed that that most um, little black g- girls, like what the, the rate is at around sixty something percent. I think at the, at this point, that's probably undisputable at this point. Right. Yeah. I I, I totally um. I totally agree, and and not only that, it's it's it's. I look at it as being our fault from from the male perspective, not just because we're the prime perpetrators of that against little black girls, but because 
as I've consistently stated, too many black men have left their posts. Too many black men have left their post and, and find it too easy to vacate their post. And this goes back to what I was talking about because that's like that is a trope that a lot of brothers, the father is the disciplinarian. The father is the, you cannot be a disciplinarian as a, as a father if you are an undisciplined man. You cannot be a disciplinarian as a father if, as a man, you are an undisciplined man. What do I mean by that? You can't be a disciplinarian as a father and then you wrapped up and trapped by the vices of the world. You see what I'm saying? So that means that you're womanizing, you're running the streets, you're hooked on drugs, like these types of things. Like we have to understand, and that's why I said that last night, on the, on that panel with Cerulean and um, Angry Man, is, is that if to spoil a man's house, you first must bind the you first must bind the strong man. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of our brothers are bound. They're bound with weakness. They're bound with fear. They're bound with ineffectiveness. They're bound with fecklessness. You see what I'm saying? And so because of that, it has created a vacuum where these pathologies can come in and thrive and run roughshod in the black community and in the black family and in the black household. And and instead of dealing with the reality of that and the gravity of that, they create these tropes to assuage their conscience and to assuage their, their, their manhood and blame it on these fictitious straw men that don't really get to the crux of the issue. And the crux of the issue is this, that a lot of our brothers are weak. They are weak. A lot of these brothers are, are weak, and that is, you know, that's un, unfortunate. And so because, check this out, we've all seen the stories. Tommy, Tommy uh, Stoudemire does stories on this routinely where you'll have a sister who has who had a child with a, from a previous relationship. Now a new guy comes in, and this new guy abu- abuses the child, and more times than not, he en- he ends up killing the child. You see what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, mind to cut you off or to agree with with Tommy, but but uh, and I don't know to the extent that, that they're calling murders, but. Oftentimes that does happen quite it happens too much where a woman will right. allow another man and and there's been chicks where I've seen them advertising on social media happily saying mm-hmm. that they have uh, a dude in there to beat their kids and it, it's just like okay so I, there is some merit to that but of but course, you know where that comes from from coming from right but you know where mm-hmm. that comes from that comes from the trope that that a woman can't raise a man I don't be- I don't believe that sisters are going to have to raise these men. Because too many, too many of the men aren't aren't in a position to do that. Whether whether it's to any part of their own, whether it's by choice or whatever the case is, sisters are going to have to raise these men. So I, I never that's that's why they're doing that because they're these sisters are constantly told you can't raise you. It takes a man to raise a man. You see what I'm saying? And so what that actually does is it facilitates the serial monogamy. That that pervades the black community and the black relationship dynamic. You see what I'm saying? That and and and, and that pathology of serial monogamy is really what uh, pushes and facilitates these other issues that take place in the black community. Whether we're talking about sexual abuse or abuse of children. I think it's all discipline as well. I think it all comes down to discipline because a lot of women cannot be by themselves. Like. Well, let's not let's not pretend that that's not reality. Right. So, a lot of women had children very young, mm. and, and it's not just 
is reality, and I'm not demonizing it. But they cannot be by themselves, okay? It's hard for them to be. Right. And with that, you know, the child also has to take in karma of who, who they choose as well. I've heard that whole scenario about who you choose. Is it is it true to a certain degree? Yes. Is it true, is it, is it true to the degree that, that people are perpetuating it? No. Obviously, the male is choosing as well. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we have to be honest and say, listen, there's times where you have to be dedicated to your child. Hey, listen. Okay? Right. I've had times where I'm just dedicated to my child. I don't even care their dad, whatever is around. I'm dedicated to the child holistically mm. because that's what it takes to raise a child. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Sometimes you have to take time off to spend time with one child <laughs> for right. weeks because that's what it requires. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, so motherhood comes into play with the whole child abuse situation. You right. know what I mean? Right. Because we, we like to say that the male abuse, yes, he does. There's a lot of statistics out there stating that the male does play a, a part, the male human. Mm. Okay, because i got to correct myself every time. <laughs> he does play a part in the whole abuse situation. But it also comes down to the woman saying, you know what? I want to
to maybe stand back, even though we have needs. Yes, we do want man to, the man to be around and so forth. Yes, we do have our individualistic needs, okay? Mm. Yes, we are still young because a lot of women have children very young, okay? But does that require us to step back and say, listen, my child needs that special attention. What's up with that? And I think we need to talk about that. I think that's something that we need to address. Yes. At the end of the day, yes, we need that attention. Yes, we need to have our spare time. But what right. about our children? They don't take that long to grow up. They, they don't. don't. They, 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 they grow up. 18, 18 is considered adults? Yeah, they grow up and, very fast. Very and exactly. Fast. I, I just wanted to address some of the things you say. You say, I, I love you, sis. I really I know do. You do. I love I you, too. We disagree on a lot of things. Right. And the first thing that we disagree on is I don't think, I personally don't think it's natural. To raise a child alone, I think that. Oh no, I don't think it's natural, but this is the reality we're dealing with. So go ahead. Right. And it's unrealistic to expect a child to receive the attention that they deserve in a single parent home. They're not going to get the attention they deserve. There's no really way around it. The only way around it is if she's on um, um, income, like housing or whatever, and then the mother doesn't work. But if the mother works full time and she's a single parent. The child is going to be neglected, which is why I always promote marriage and waiting to have children. I, I don't know why people think that a single mother household is, is, is okay. But let me say something to that, April, because okay, the, okay. Fa- the fact of the matter is, and this is something I talked about with like with the hood rat who came at me on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, this Because we got to understand that when we talk about the single mother phenomenon, we're we're judging it based on a nuclear family model, but the reality is is that the nuclear family within the black community has is largely mythical. It's it's largely a myth, even when we look at the marriage rate numbers. Because if we look at the marriage rate numbers, we then have to factor factor in separation, we have to factor in divorce, and we have to factor in desertion. And all of these have always been disproportionately high in the black community. The fact of the matter is that we we primarily had extended family structures where you would have more than one generation of of families living together. The grandmother might be there, the grandfather would be there helping out, and 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 you know things like that. But because of white supremacy, white supremacy has always exerted extreme pressure on the black family. So even when we had the so-called two-parent homes the dynamic was still the same because a lot of times the father was working and the mother was working. So the children were still being neglected. You but, see what uh, I'm saying? Amir, that's not true. That is because, true. Okay, no, go ahead. Let me explain to you that. Like, if you look at your grandma, most of our grandmas did not work, and most of our grandpas did work, and there was that balance, just to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't, true, I don't know if that's not there's true. that balance. But I know my grandma did. I, I agree with you. My grandmother probably raised over 20 children. <laughs> my grandma, my mom had 17 brothers and sisters, and my grandma, she worked at the home. She made their clothes. She made their food all from scratch. They could, you know, she had 17 siblings, so they couldn't afford much. It, it so, wasn't even that, but she was right. available for, like, right. even people that, you know, they're starting out, that's their first child. She's like, listen, the first couple of months, drop me off. So there was a little difference in the dynamic with the grandparents. I agree with you, April, on that. They weren't working. My grandmother, I don't think she ever had a real job, to be honest with you. She just said, drop the children off. That's right. where she was at. 
And I want to address something else you said, Amiri. Um, mm-hmm. You said that um, men run wild, men are weak, a lot of black men today. And I agree with you, some black men are weak, and they do run wild. Mm-hmm. However, a part of that is us black women. Okay. we got to start holding black men accountable. I can't tell you how many times I try to hold black men accountable, and a black woman comes in and rescues that black man like he's some sort of baby or something. Okay. we got to start holding black men accountable. And what I mean by that is we can't give them everything they want if they're not acting like how they're supposed to. I, I can't for the life of me understand why a grown woman would have a baby by a man who's not committed to her. But time and time again, black women do that over and over. So we put ourselves in that situation to be in fear of monogamy, monogamous mm-hmm. relationship, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and, and the increased chances of abuse. Because let's be honest, um, stepdads are probably the highest rate of sexual and physical abuse to children. That's the highest rate right. when, I, when I looked up the stats. So stepdads wow. are the number one abusers. So we cannot continue to put our children in those types of situations. We have to hold these men accountable. If he's not acting right, don't deal with him. Don't have a baby by somebody. That's just, like, basic to me. Right. And I'm not judging because when I was 17, I had a baby out of wedlock. Right. So I have to be real about that. But I learned. From mm-hmm. that time, I learned the lesson. This is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. And my daughter had some hang-ups behind that because I talked to her. Like, a lot of people on the side said, how has it affected you that me and your dad were never married and stuff like that? And, and it affects her. It affects these kids. That's mm-hmm. important. So I, so I hear what, you, what all you're saying is that it was never a family nucleus. But in Africa, before slavery happened, there was. And we, we tried to get it back after slavery, but it has broken down and we need to get it back. Not mm-hmm. saying that even if a relationship doesn't work, which mm-hmm. sometimes relationships don't work, I get it. Even if you get married, it still might not work. But that does not give you the right to um, abandon your children. And it does not give you a woman a right to keep um, the father from her child, which is some, in some cases it is that. Right. But let me address, let me just address the, what you said about, the, about what I was just saying. Yeah, and then, Amelia, if I can go after you, that would be great. Okay. Um, the statistics yeah. say that uh, 60% of black women worked outside of the home, and those women worked primarily as the, uh, as domestic servants. You see what I'm saying? That's what the stats say, 60%, which is that's over half. You know what I'm saying? Today, the the labor force participation rates of black women is, is hovers around 70-something percent. You see what I'm saying? So black women have have always worked. That is historically facts, a fact. It's just a fact. You know what I'm saying? Sisters were brought over here for the purpose of working. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about the nuclear family model, we're actually talking about a Eurocentric con- concept constructed in Christian dogma. But I'm a, that, that that's we'll leave that you know right there. Cynthia, you can go ahead and say what you had to say. Um, I, I agree with, I, I'm sorry, uh, ladies, I forgot your name. Who was the last one that just spoke? Oh, that was April. That was just April. Okay, April. I, I mostly agree with, with what April is saying, but, but I think that mm-hmm. if we don't have any exact numbers to draw from to say that black women are knowingly having children by men who um, are not willing to commit then we, we we need to assume that the majority of them are having children under the guise that they are in a committed relationship. Because I know um, from many experiences, and 
I um, have, a, have a big thing about control, so therefore I make sure I'm not getting pregnant by a man that I don't want in my life. But I will say mm-hmm. I have had men who, who I later found out actually had other women pregnant, and they were trying to take off condoms and get me pregnant as well. And I can also testify to the fact that I've never once had a man admit that he was having sex with um, other women in addition to me, although he was. So the thing of it is, is we, we do have to understand that while there are some women who they, they will have children by a man, of course, thinking that if they have a children by him, he's going to stay around. We, we cannot pretend that that is the majority of cases. I think that those are the outliners and those are the nuances. I think the, the flaw and the biggest problem is that a lot of these men really don't believe that it is their responsibility to stick around and raise kids, especially in situations where him and the mother isn't getting along together. They believe that if they're not in a relationship with the mother, then they don't have to have a relationship with the child either. And I really do right. believe that in their minds, the mother is only thing the child is the only parent that the child needs. Although there's extreme value, like even for example, I was just talking to my sister, and um, her her and, and this is just for some context. Her my my nephew's four. Okay, so the the man that she had a kid by, he's he's in London. Um, she just went back out there to London, and and she said my nephew was excited and he was really happy. Mind you, he's at he's four. And she asked him why was he so happy to see his dad, and he told her because he had been waiting for him for a long time. So even at a young age, these kids know the importance of having their fathers in, in, in present in their life. I mean, because as a four-year-old, he doesn't know the implications of not having his father. He just knows that he needs them there. But I think that the, the core problem is that these men really believe that it's just not their responsibility to take care of children or to be present. And, and I think that's where the biggest flaw is because they should be doing it regardless of whether they like the mom or not, and they're not. Right. Okay. I have I have something on the screen since we're talking about this topic, and it's something I, I you know, I, I ran across today. Somebody shared it in the group, Black Men and Women United. Uh, people in the chat room, in the chat room y'all, y'all should uh, join that group. But somebody shared this, and what it is, it, it is the conversation between a father and his daughter, um, and his daughter is asking him for for shoes for school. Now let let's let's look at it and read it. Right? It says, "Hi, you sent it." And this is him responding. Fuck no, damn you getting on my nerves. You don't even Facetime me or nothing. Money, money, money. All you know. Fuck that. The girl responds. Oh, my mama been taking care of me my whole life, and I'm supposed to Facetime when my phone is in the shop. Look at his response. Fuck you and your mammy. Stay the fuck out of my life. Put me on child support again. I'll pay for it. Then she said, LOL, I don't care about you or no child support, dude. I just wanted some some shoes for school. Like Now, look at that. Look at that exchange. And this is something I said on Facebook today. I said, recreational sex leads to recreational babies, which leads to recreational drama. This, all too many times, is the reality in the black community because check this out. When we talk about the single mother rate, when we talk about, you know, the the birth rates and everything like that, part of the issue too is that the majority of the children that are being born aren't being born by married couples. It's it's non married individuals that's having majority of the children. Like the the, the birth rate for, for married individuals in the black community has has fallen too. 
And it's actually underwater when it comes to single individuals having children. So that's that's basically what is happening. And so what happens is when you have a child from – just recreational or or casual sex or whatever the, or whatever the case is, uh, there there tends to be a certain level of uh, resentment to that child. You see what I'm saying? Because it was something that you weren't intending on having, and so it, basically you look at it like it's cramping your style. I think that you have some, excuse me, some mothers and a lot of fathers who have that resentment in their mind like you know what i'm saying like like look at look at what look at how this, how this guy is talking to his daughter now when I, don't, it, I don't think i don't think he has the right to do that though i don't you either lay down with that woman right when you lay down with that woman we all know that when you sleep with someone there's a possibility of a child that's that's mm-hmm. what it is i know so how dare you fast forward she needs some sort of funding Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, and you can provide it, and you say to her, "Oh, you're not contacting." Really? Well, how right. about you contacting her? You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole idea of the child they didn't contact me, or I didn't right. like your mother like that. No, every single time that you lay down with a woman, mm-hmm. there's an expectation that a child can be born. Right. I don't care what anyone says. Right, and they can not... debate me to the hill, to mm-hmm. the sky, to the moon, to the sun. Right. When you lay down with a woman, a child can be conceived, period. Exactly. Period. So if you don't like the woman, don't lay down with her because right. a child can be conceived. It miraculously, you know what I mean, yep. scientifically, substantially, whatever. You don't like her. You don't, you don't, you're not into her. You don't even think she's that cute, but you just did her that night because you hadn't gotten up some in a couple of months. I don't care what the case may be. Anytime you lay down with a woman, a child can be conceived, and you're on the hook. You need to help. You need to build that child up so they can become a, a, a positive individual in the long run because everything that you do when they're a child is going to play out when they're an adult. Right. And your Here. intentions your intentions don't, don't, don't matter. What you were intending to happen through that interaction and, and what actually happens throughout that interaction is two different things. And, and that is the standard of manhood that I've been talking about. You don't get to come now making excuses, playing the fucking victim because child support, tearing your ass up pay the fucking child support. You know what I'm saying? Because the way that we are socialized as men and as black men, primarily because we have no rights of passage uh, in place, is we seek, to, we seek to birth ourselves into manhood using the black female body. This is, what, this is what we do. This is how we have been socialized as black men. We've been socialized to conquer black women and to obtain sexual access from black women at all costs. And, and you know, uh, part of that also, too, is you have a lot of sisters who have been uh, socialized to be there and operate as the sexual fodder for, for the male populace, especially in the black community, especially in the black community. Like, check this out. Let me make this one point, April, then I'll let you come back in. As men, psychologically speaking, we see female pleasure from sex as just a byproduct of what we like as men. We don't see sex as an an effort in her having pleasure too. We just see it as a byproduct of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's all about us. You see what I'm saying? Like that is that that's the psychology. And when that is the psychology and the male populace becomes over sexualized and hypersexualized, then 
it is undoubtedly going to bear itself out in the reflection of the female populace, the family dynamic, and the condition and the state of the children. You see what I'm saying? And that's part of what's going on. All right, you can go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to check a couple things. I wanted to clear up um, what I meant by committed relationship. And okay. what I meant by that is someone that you see a long-term future with. Mm. So a lot of people are having, whether it's you're getting ready to get married or you're engaged or you're married. So that's what a committed relationship to me is. And a lot of our children are not born in committed relationships if we're just going to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I meant by that. Not that you're in a relationship with somebody, but you see a long-term future forever with them. Like, so why are you having a baby with someone that you don't even know if you're going to be with down right. the line? It makes no sense, and we got to stop doing that. If you don't think or you're not married to somebody, if you don't see a future with them, you have absolutely no business having a baby with them. But the majority of our children are born amongst people who haven't even discussed the future together if we're just going to be real about it. And like I said, I perform mental health therapy, so I talk to people also. I know what's going on in the minds of of a lot of our people. The next thing that I want to address is is I agree with you, Amiri, about a lot of what you say as far as men using women's bodies Mm -hmm. and recreational sex and then men determine their manhood by how many women they have sex with and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Where we disagree Mm -hmm. is that women are in control of that. Women are allowing that to happen, and until we have that honest discussion about that, mm. it won't change. Right. Women now, when you say control, which means with their bodies, so we have to we have to point right. that out. I'm not saying men are, are are right for what they're doing because they are they are doing some of the things that you mentioned, but at the same time, we have to address and discuss why so many women are allowing themselves to be used by men because that's the reality of it. And I'm glad you said it. So, like I said, women have to look at themselves as a prize because I look at myself as a prize. And I know a man is, a man is trying to get this prize. Mm-hmm. So he has to do certain things and, and be valuable to me and worthy of getting the prize that I am. Well, let me a say this, though. Because, <laughs> I, like, I agree. Every, and, and, this is, and this is part of the – and this is why I asked that question on Facebook. I asked, um, do, do, our, our, do sisters want to be – do they want to be damsel in distresses or do they want to be Sasha Fierce? Because I understand everything that that you're saying, um, April, and I, I, I and I agree, although tangentially I agree, but I do agree. But because like when I talk about the so the, the socialization of black women and, and black boys and black girls, and I talk about how that because of the gender asymmetry in the black community, black men are actually in control of the sexual politics and they are in control of the the relationship, the dating and relationship dynamics. They are. Like, the roles are reversed. We have to realize that. The women are predominantly in control of the economics and the finances, and the men are in control of the sexual politics, the, the dating and relationship dynamic, and stuff like that. And the reason why is because the women are forced to compete for a small pool of men, for a small pool of men, like even spatially, because this is something like, because you have those who, who don't agree with that view, and they'll be like, well, when we, if we look at the birth rate of black men and black women, it's the same. The birth rate isn't 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 the litmus, though. We have to look at the, where where 
we have to look at the spatiality of the country. You see what I'm saying? And when you go into these these concentrated pockets of black communities, there is a dearth of men. There's a dearth of men, especially especially when we start talking about viable black men. And 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 like even that guy, the author Richard Ralph Banks, who wrote his book, um, Marriages for White People. That's basically the point that he's making. And, and and this is this is essentially what's happening because it's all counterintuitive because there's a small pool of 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 eligible black men that that are suitable for marriage. There's a more wider pool of black women who are available and ready and wanting marriage. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And those women must compete for this small for this small okay. pool of men. Go ahead. Excuse me, I have to, I have to respond to that. Okay. I'm really not trying to hear that. If mm-hmm. if, if there's a small pool for men that are eligible, then we, we play a role in that. And if that's the case, I agree. Okay, but hold on. Wait, what role do we play in it? I'm anxious to hear that. Right. If there's a small pool of men, then we can we need to search further. We need to extend where we search, extend our, our grounds or whatever, but But, but hold on. I, I agree with you 
to 100%. And the reality right. is, you're, if you're on a whole other spiritual level, you would just say, you know what? Wash my hands with it. You're a nice brother. It can be cool. <laughs> like, right, but, but let, me, let me speak but to that. But the average woman that is at that level where she's ready, and the man, and she see that she, she actually spots out a, a man that's ready, oh, my God. They're, they're going to flop. Right. And I've seen it. Um, let me like, say this though. Um, because because I like we have to be realistic when we have when we talk about these issues. Realistically speaking, uh, there's a biological clock that exists for both black men and black women. You see what I'm saying? And so the 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 biology trumps the talking point that you're that you're saying. April. And I and don't get me wrong, I agree with it, but the biology trumps it. You see what I'm saying? Because another thing that we have to look at too is that. Not only has the marriage rate decreased, but the age at which individuals are getting married has decreased. But the age that you want to have sex has not. It's still going to be right around that age of puberty. You see what I'm saying? So we still have the biological reality of men wanting women and women um, and women wanting men that still take that's still taking place aside from uh, the social construct constructions that exist. For instance, when we talk about family planning, all we're really talking about, that is a term and a concept of modernity. You see what I'm saying? That's a modern concept. That's a modern terminology, family planning. You did what you before, you just did what you did, and you took you handled your responsibility as a person. You see what I'm saying? That's what's missing. Like, I, I, I don't buy into this notion that you, 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 can be, you can be too poor to procreate. I don't buy into that. That is an elitist notion. You see what I'm saying? Procreation is not something that's only reserved for those who are who have mastered uh, the system of capitalism and modernity that we live in. So I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with that as a matter of principle. But Cynthia, uh, what did you have to say? Um, I was just going to ask. Okay, if 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 we're saying that there is a shortage of viable black men, which there is, obviously that that's something that mm-hmm. you just can't dispute. And we're suggesting that women see a waiter, that they look elsewhere and, and expand their, where are we looking for these non-existent viable black men? Because the shortage is a shortage. You can't look for something in other places that's not there. Like nobody said there's a, there's a shortage of viable black men because the viable black men are over there somewhere else. They said the viable black men don't exist, except the little right. small amount of them. So where should we be looking? Okay, let me answer that for you. There's actually more black men in the world than black women. There's only a shortage here in America if you look up this statistic. So, but again, Right, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Black women need to start doing that. 
They need to stop doing that. With what money, though? With what money? Because that's what they're going to ask you. What money are they traveling to these international countries to meet other black men? Where are they, where are they getting that from? Because no one's funding that. To go to Africa, to go to Africa it's a $1,000 ticket. That's all it is. But who's the but who's the Let's look at this. What did that do? Right, that's that do in prison. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Most black people are not coming out with a thousand dollars on a whim. Right, but I, but, 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 you know, who's to say that those men, those men in other places are viable black men? It's just the I think that's what we're missing is the word viable. Right. I think it's about I think it's about viability. How do we determine viability and thing and things of that and things of that nature? Because let and me tell you, it's about understanding what viable means. But I got a I, I, I got a sister right now who got an African dude and he's doing the same thing these American dudes be doing. So you know what I'm saying? There was an African woman that put out a video saying talking about how mm-hmm. the African men are only interested in big booties and light-skinned women and white women. So you have the same. So viable means that they're, that they're able to be married, that they're marriage material. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's just tend to agree with that. But then if I say, well, okay, uh, 
you don't need to be having sex with a guy that you just met that you don't know. Now, all of a sudden, if you're trying to police women's bodies, you see what I'm saying? You're being so I, 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 I personally don't you know, agree that, 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 that. But this, but this is how I've been being attacked, though. And, and I'm like, well. Specialized circumstances where they, that may happen? Mm. Yes. I ain't Jesus. I ain't, I ain't the most high. <laughs> yes, you are. There are certain situations where a woman is going to meet someone where they connect on that level. They are spiritually inclined and they eat and they know what they're talking about. Should that be the everyday norm? Absolutely not. That should not be the everyday norm. If you're going out every day and meeting someone where you're just going to sleep with them on the first night, that's not the norm. That's not spiritually the norm. That's not mentally the norm. That's not psychologically the norm. I'm going to say something about that. But if there situations where that may happen, yeah, that might be happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For us to feel like we can put a blanket and some sort of definition on what a woman's supposed to do every single night that she goes out, that's a bullshit. You're going to meet somebody that you're attached to that you're going to, you're going to connect with. You know what I mean? On a but, that, but that's not what's going on. <laughs> that's not that. Well, I don't think that. No, I don't think that's what's going on on a wide scale. I think on a yeah. wide scale, that women are just caving in. That's just what it is. No, but 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 you can't. But we. That's what I'm saying. We can't say that the women are caving in when the women are making it abundantly clear that they want the casual and recreational sex just as much as the men. No, I'm saying they're caving in. I'm saying that. I don't. Wanna, that. <laughs> they, they, that's not. But see, that's what I'm saying. saying. These two things I'm can't be true. These yeah, two, like these two things, that. these two things can't, you know, can't be true. Like, you know, uh, because this, this is something that I talked about, and I think that there's this is. But Mary, there's, mm. different, there's different responsibility for different women. Okay. What you now, mean? Now, if you're a single woman, if you're a single woman, mm-hmm. okay, and you're out there, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna take this chance with this person. I like this person. We're connecting. You gotta know why you feel like you're connected with this person. Okay. I don't necessarily agree on the first time, but maybe that's something that you agree to. You may still spiritually connected. You may be physically mm-hmm. connected to this, and maybe in a long run, he might even be someone that. Well, might that though. Uh, whatever the case may be, but I'm just saying, when you're a woman that has children, mm-hmm. you're not gonna put yourself out there on a certain level with just any random willy-nilly. Now, if there are some people that might fit the bill, maybe. I don't judge people like that. I'm not gonna say like, oh, every single time you're just out there just trying to find somebody to get off with. No. You might actually feel a connection with someone. Right. Because but here's the thing, though. I got, a, I, got a, I got an excellent question for you. You feel like every time a female deals with someone, mm-hmm. it's not spiritual. No, some of those connections are spiritual. Right. I get that. You know what I mean? So I try not to impose on that. But should that be an everyday thing? Absolutely not. If but it's an everyday thing, there's something wrong. But it is. But here's the thing. Here's the question, though. Would you marry a, Would you marry a man you met on the first night? Would you marry that man? And if the answer is you, if the
You see what I'm saying? So, like, that is part of it. See, that's what I'm saying. You can't you can't just say that you was about self-love and not giving these men your body and then turn and say, well, I'm going to do this on the first night. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a contradiction. I do these 99.9% of the time. I can't even say that I relate to the first night. I have a mentor one that was like, oh, my God, spiritual levels. If you're going to talk about what we call as so-called black person, we've been here for a long time. Right. So there's going to be some women that are going to meet some men that they've known for a long time. We're, we're forgetting. I told you this. The first day I just met you, mm. this is spiritual. I mean, are we? Mm. Yeah, you just said it. It's spiritual, right? Right. So I can't tell another woman that she didn't meet him and she didn't connect with him on a deep level. Do I agree with it? Maybe not. Maybe I might say, you know what, you might have should have spoke to him a couple times. They don't like they say oh, yeah. most of them don't think penetration. Yeah, but you don't believe but that. It, it just shows that men, it, that's one on men though. But I, but I wouldn't say. Here's my thing. I think that women should not be um, held. It, it, women should not be responsible for for controlling for withholding casual sex while men just go out and have kids. I, I don't think, I think if they want to, they should be able to, but I, I think that they should do it responsibly. But to just say that women just shouldn't, should withhold sex, I don't, I don't believe that unless they want to. Now, me personally, I, you know, I don't just like to run around having sex with different people. If I wanted to do that, I would do it, and I would do it not caring about what any, what anybody thought. Because I'm not going to mm. go out here trying to spiritually connect to every man. I just I don't want to do that. That's a drag. <laughs> it, it's emotionally exhausting. Like I don't I don't know anybody who would want to go. And I think the problem is now that you have too many women trying to go out and fall in love and spiritually connect to every guy, rather than saying that I just want to have fun with this guy. Let me let me make sure I'm not getting pregnant. Mm. And then that's just what it is. 
I don't think we should we should be putting the responsibility on women. Like women, black women are already um, are burdened with most of the responsibility. Like, what are black women not responsible for in the community? Like, that's the problem is that we're not holding black men accountable for for anything. Right. Like the men, the men are already been coddled. They're the most fertile, but we got to run around getting on birth control when 24-7 they can get people pregnant. We can only get pregnant 10 days out of a month, give or take. But we should be on birth control every single day just so that they don't have a kid. Like where is the responsibility for these men? This is why we have them running around acting like this because they're they're not giving any responsibility. They need to make sure mm-hmm. they're not getting people pregnant. If they do, they need to take care of the child. There, there should be no ifs, ands, or buts. If they're going out there having casual sex, they're no, their sperm making contact with a woman's egg is going is, is to result in a baby. They already know that. So why are we letting them off the hook on something so simple? Just control your dick. But like, really, because other, other than creating babies, they're all creating diseases. It is very difficult for a man to get a disease from a woman, but it is very easy for a woman to get a disease from a man. So men mm-hmm. need to be more responsible sexually, and we're not, we're not putting any requirement on them to be re- sexually responsible. We're just saying, oh, this is just what men do. Right. Speaking, speaking from a therapeutic standpoint, because I am a mental health therapist, I know for a fact that casual sex damages you mentally because it's deeper than just the physical, which a lot of people don't realize. You exchange um, bodily fluids and it, it can affect your mind. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. It's dangerous for men and women to recklessly participate in, in casual sex. I'm not saying one sexuality is not a bad thing, but the, the amount of recreational sex that we're having is very unhealthy, and it does affect you mentally. But I need for people to know that it's not just physical diseases, it's mental yeah. illness. So when I say that casual sex should not be the goal, I'm not just speaking of women. I never put everything on you. That goes right. for me. Men should not be having casual sex. Mm-hmm. Men are not going to stop having casual sex. Men men are not going to, like, we we can talk till our our tongue fall out. Men are not going to stop having casual sex. They're just not going to. So we we, our solutions need to be um, realistic. They know there's repercussions. They want to blame it on the woman, though.
there's going to be a time where they're going to need that support, and they're going to say, oh, my God, like, I'm this age, and I'm this age, and my child's not looking out for me, and they're going to try to come and beg on online or whatever the case may be. Oh, they're not looking out for me. What were you doing when you were 20, 30, 40, 50 years old? Because you felt like, oh, I still look like I'm 20. At the end of the day, there's repercussions for everything. So everything is going to play out in due time. They're just waiting for their due time to play out. Mary. All right, now what I wanted to say is because they got a couple of commenters in the chat talking about that we're not on topic and the lives are never on topic. Let me say that according, you know, in this particular instance. What we were just talking about with, you know, sex and childbearing and stuff like that, these these are all within the same wheelhouse of child abuse because that's why I brought, the, that's why I brought it up because there's a causal link. There's a causal link. You see what I'm saying? Because... Like that's that's some, that's part of the big, the debate that has always raged is uh, when does life begin? And they'll say, well, life begins at conception. Life begins with those two individuals and how they interact. You see what I'm saying? And that's why I was saying that because that is going to be conveyed to the child. That is going to have a bearing on on how the child is treated. If you have a bunch of people who have made recreational children, the, uh, 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 a lot of these individuals are going to harbor some resentment to that child. And because they harbor resentment to that child, they're more prone and have a greater propensity of neglecting and abusing that child. We have seen instances of this. I remember, anybody remember that episode of, of Good Times with Penny and, and, and the mother was abusing her? You see what I'm saying? Do y'all y'all remember that? That was that that was the, that was the standpoint the mother was coming from. The mother viewed Penny as cramping her style. You see what I'm saying? And so she would take that she would take that uh, that anger and that resentment out on Penny. Like that is real. That is real. And when you have the majority of the family dynamic in the black community coming from that standpoint, th- then we wonder why the child abuse rates are where they at. So we are on topic. Like all these things are connected and are in the same wheelhouse. You see what I'm saying? Right, because the so, reality of it is this kids tend to mimic their parents' sexual practices. So you are right. child, it is it is to a degree um child abuse. You know, just like usually if you ha see a very promiscuous woman girl, you can go find a hood rat mom, probably. Right. And so the thing right. of it is, is sexual irresponsibility is child abuse because you're going to have a, a, a teenager going out there having dudes run through her, and then she's pregnant with a kid, and then you have the cycle repeating. So if they don't understand, I mean, I get for some people it's going to go, go all the way over their head, but if you don't know the connection between sexual irresponsibility and, and abuse, then you probably just shouldn't be here. Right. There's a, there's, there's a direct correlation between between all this. Like all these things are interrelated. They are interrelated. You know what I'm saying? That's why I brought the that's why I brought uh, the issue up of child abuse in the black community because of the way we have children, it has a large bearing on the way we rear children. You see what I'm saying? Because even that is a part of the plantation the plantation behavioral construct of the way we behave is the way we interact with each other sexually. Can we can we be honest about that? You see what I'm saying? I don't think it's wise to talk about these issues as if we're talking about them with 
excuse me, within a sanitized environment and with slavery and oppression being the backdrop of that. April? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I, I agree with with whatever you're saying, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, My Leone? thing of it is, is <laughs> I, I ahead, wish Sam. when we talk about stuff, we can talk about it in terms of realisticness. Like when I was doing health coaching, one of the things that we learned is when you have, have somebody with a plan of um, of change, it has to be realistic and attainable. And simply telling people to not have casual sex is not real, realistic, nor is it attainable. Because mm-hmm. the bottom line is people are going to have, um, and, and even if, if black women stopped having casual sex, what you would just basically have a lot of black women thinking they're in monogamous relationships and black men really just cheating on them. That's really all that would happen. Casual sex is going to happen. So the best thing to do is just to tell people to do it to do it responsibly. Now, what I will say is, is that having sex with people that you don't care about that really does it gets it, it gets empty. And I know because I've 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 done it, and and, and it gets really empty when you're laying next to somebody that you 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 just got done having sex with, and you couldn't care less if they disappeared right in front of your face. So. Psychologically, it do, it does have ramifications. Yeah, I will say okay. that it has a lot of ramifications psychologically. Mm. You think you're um, right afterwards? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I've I've been with I've been with men, and I was just sitting there, just amazed by how much I didn't care about them. Like not one bit. I don't want to know anything about them. I'm really only here for something sexual, and it would insult me for them to want more. So mm. psychologically, <laughs> I, I will say at a certain point in time, psychologically, it, it does. Like I, mine was to the degree to where I would sometimes cry out of frustration later just to feel something, just because I wanted to feel mm. something, and I felt absolutely okay, nothing I like for them. Made, made up for okay, that's mm. good. And so that's the thing, but no, people no, are going to have it. Yeah, that, that I have had those situations as, as a woman, and, you know, it would be fun. It, it's kind of like a drug. Well, you're, while you're going through the drug, you, you get the high and you feel good, but then as soon as the drug wears off, you know, you have to deal with the psychological ramifications of what you just did. So the thing mm-hmm. of it is, is that I, I think people should be told um how to do it responsibly, but to tell them to stop doing it, that's that's just not going to happen. That's why you have the highest no. rate of, of um, teen pregnancy in the South because they refuse to teach them sex education. And they're talking right. to abstinence, abstinence, where that doesn't work. Where We need to adapt mm-hmm. our me- methods to humans. And humans are going to have sex when they get the urge to, if they have the option to. And it doesn't really yeah, matter whether they're attached to that person or not. Right. Everyone's different. Everyone has different needs. Everyone has different signs. Everyone has different backgrounds. Their upbringing. Everyone has different psychological backgrounds. Everyone has different genetic backgrounds. We, we 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 try to put people in this frame, right? We try to make it seem as if everyone is just fits in this box, right? I try to. I try to do that as well, but that's not reality. Everyone has a different. Land, everyone has a different genetic blueprint as to what they're trying to play out, right? So we can't. They do, but most people are having casual sex, though. 
But yeah, but most people are having casual sex, so we can generalize. It's not for me, but I can understand from someone else's different perspective because it depends on what type of sign you have. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your energy. It depends on your maturity level, which that would be another whole other show. But it is a, there's a whole other combination that can come into play as to why you feel okay Well, let me, ask, let me ask you all something. If you want to know why you feel okay with that, I can Amir, can I say something real quick? Go ahead, and I want to say something. Go ahead. Okay. So what I want to address is because Cynthia keeps bringing up that casual sex is not going to stop, and I agree with her 100%. There's always going to be people that are going to have casual sex. What I was specifically saying is that we need to educate people of the mental effects of having casual sex because they are real and they are severe. If you have a whole bunch of casual sex, you will have mental issues. That's just the bottom line to it. So... If we it depends on who you are. It depends on who you are. Some people are mentally strong, but they can do that, and they can go to work, type the next day, write a paper, write <laughs> have a news article, and then they can go to sleep and then be a professional next day. Can, can I finish, please? Just let me finish real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. What I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is that we can reduce the rate if we educate people. If we give them the information, people are still going to make the choices that they want to make. And I can't judge people for the choices that they want to make. But a lot of black people think that you can have a whole bunch of casual sex and it won't affect you mentally. It's real 100% of the time. Some people are able to fake it and go on with their life, just like you were saying. I'm not saying that people can't function. There's a lot of functioning um, people that have mental illness and, and, and what have you. So I'm not saying that people can't function, but it will affect you mentally. Mm-hmm. Once you have sex with all these people who you really don't care about, it will affect you. And I need for people to understand that. As mental health therapists, that's, that's the number one of my clients, people that have been abused and people that have um, used casual sex in their life. Those are my... Some people use, some people use casual sex as medication. Medication. Well, it, it, so, now, I don't think anybody's disputing that that is going to cause psychological effects. It, it is eventually... Mm-hmm. But, I mean, right. that's not going to stop people from doing it because at the end of the day, they still have bodily functions just telling them to go have sex. And, and then people get into habits and patterns. And, and so if you have a habit of, and pattern, it's just like a drug addict. Drug addicts know that there are both physical and psychological ramifications to being on drugs, but they still do it all day, every day. Because someone in the chat room just said it's preposterous to tell people, um, to 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 you know to have casual sex just do it responsibly. She and and said it's like telling a drug addict um, to not to to uh, try crack but try it responsibly. Well, people are are still doing crack. People are still doing drugs. They know the the they know the risk of getting addicted to it. They know what it does to your body. They are still doing it. So it can be as preposterous as it wants to be. The reality of it is people are going to do things because it causes, it gives them a good feeling. They don't really care about the after effects until they're dealing with the after effects. So, yes, it could be preposterous, but but it's good to do that. Well, let me say this, though, because, um, you know, one thing, we can't act like this American Western society isn't over-sexualized and hyper-sexualized. What I want to say was, because check this out, like, at, look how they demonize if a woman will breastfeed in public as if a woman's breast is, 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 is just a sexual object. No, we've sexualized it in American Western society. 
in Western culture is sexualized because the black, because the female and the male too, but because the female is over-sexualized. In, in other places in the world, like Africa, for example, the women run around with no top on and they aren't sexualized. It's not a sexual thing. It's not a lewd thing. It only becomes lewd when you have internalized uh, this sexual use of it. You see what I'm saying? Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm. Why, why? This is one question. I'm not even going to answer the whole argument. Mm. But why is it that it's rude in an American society, but when they go over to the actual mother country and they see that women actually interact and they, they're open to that, mm. all of a sudden it's not rude? Why is it that just because they don't consider it to be rude, they'll show it open on the camera for mother, children, father, child, whatever? I, I've always disputed that. Right. I always feel like if you think it's rude in the American culture, why are you showing it to me in the mother country? Right. But I'm sorry, that's just a fact. Right, but but that just that just speaks to the over you know the over sexualization and hypersexualization. That's the only reason why I brought that up. But we let's let's get back to to the issue of the babies, right? So what would be some constructive child discipline tactics and techniques? Does anybody have any suggestions as opposed to just automatically going a violent route? And, and and whooping a child, you know, what I'm saying because you know what, there is there's a difference between spanking a child, I think, and and, <clears throat> and whooping a child, and I'm guilty of it too, because I didn't gave out some hell of five whoopings in my day, you know what I'm saying? But I understand that 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 that's not the right way to go about it. So, what would be some um, alternatives that that are constructive but just as effective? Well, I would say you should never discipline your child when you're angry. Right. So if your child has done something to make you angry, you need to take a moment and and calm yourself down before you execute any discipline on them, regardless if it's a spanking. Because like like Cynthia would say, people are gonna do what they want to do anyway. So people are still going to use corporal punishment. But if you are going to use it, you need to um not be angry when you do it. So calm yourself down and if you feel like your child needs a spanking, go ahead. I don't believe in spanking my children to be honest with you. So what I use is I take away their privileges, and you can do this at any age. So that's, I mean, to me, that has worked better than, than spanking. Because, I, like I said, when my children were young, I did spank them. But it, 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 had, it, it worked, but it also had negative effects behind it with their mentality and their mental state. So then I started um, taking away their privileges, and that didn't have any negative effects um, behind it. Father being at home. My parents, I had a father at home. Mm. 
Mm. He was scary as hell. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. He didn't physically abuse him. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was scary as hell. Like he didn't have to. My mom, if she called him, it was like it was. It was time to stop playing. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think that people forget how it is with the authority of a man, especially a man that is very masculine, to be involved. So I think it comes back around to if that dual parentship is there. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, there are some men that are that are lackluster, and they are not very masculine, and they don't really understand their role. Yes, I'm not going to dispute that. But at the end of the day, if you have a man that knows his position, knows his role, okay, children are going to automatically uphold. Okay, my dad was serious as hell. He's still serious as hell. Like that's still in my adulthood. Like <laughs> mm. I still like kind of back. You know, I, I, I might interject. But the, 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 the man has been depowered. The man has been depowered in the family. He still be looking at me like, okay. Did you hear me back there, Leona? What are you going to say? I said the man has been depowered in the family. In the family. The man doesn't, Absolutely. He doesn't, he doesn't care the same thing. What, what, what did I speak to the last time? I got a taste of it. I'm hmm. not even saying that I got the full spectrum of that. I didn't get the full spectrum of it. Hmm. But I got a taste of it. And my dad was at home. You know what I'm saying? And I had, I had all, I had five brothers. They were terrified. You know, my mom called my dad. It was like, okay, saying again? Right. Because he just had that dominant, you know, ability, and he had that 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 ability where he could say, you know what, we're shutting this down. I don't care what was going on before that. I don't care what was going on in terms of what your explanation is. We don't care. So. I think that if the man is at home, a lot of the, the problems that we have in the community that we're, we're mm-hmm. thinking that is the issue is going to be solved automatically. But the man has to know where his role is. Right. And I think that's the problem in 2018. We don't have a set idea of what the man role is. You know what I mean? And we've, we've gotten to the point where we ostracize the man's role. Exactly. We've gotten to the point where we feel like, okay, if a man is masculine, you know, he doesn't have a place. And I don't understand that concept. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I'm not saying that on some, like, I'm old or I've been around for a long time. No, I just got a taste of it. Right. But it's enough to put a structural position on where we should be at. But I think that what happened after the fact is mm-hmm. that we're just kind of out there. Right. My, my dad didn't beat nobody. Mm-hmm. He was scary as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, you know, he just said something, and it was like, okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? My, the same thing with my brothers. Like, we were just like, what? A, what? Right. As soon as my mom even called his name, it was like that time. So when you say what's going on with, with the, the discipline and the line between abuse, a lot of the women that are, you know, abusing their children, it's because they don't know what to do. You know, I'm not making excuses for them. But they don't know what to do because all they know is that there is a call for to a certain level or discipline is what they look in their, you know, that's how they see it is discipline, even though it does cross the line of abuse. And I think that we have to say as people, mm-hmm. whether we're man, female, whatever, female, humans, I don't want to upset people, women, men, you know what I'm saying? We have to, we have to, we have to really be honest and, and, understand that a lot of what's going on right now is that the woman is doing it by herself. Exactly. You know, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back to that. 
Mm-hmm. And the woman does not get to a certain level what discipline requires of a male child, a male human child, because I've been, I have five brothers. Five brothers, and then somehow the most high gave me three sons, okay? Right. So I understand, and my direct family, a lot of males, for whatever reason, I don't know why that happens. So I understand there's a, there's a difference in how we discipline our children. Right. Okay. You can't um, discipline a man child the same way as a woman child. Right. At all. That's what I was, that's what I was about to say. Um, yeah. One thing I'll say is that as a father, you should never use physical violence against your daughter. Um, right. Because that can... There's a difference in how a father disciplines the, her, you know, the, the woman, and the woman disciplines the male. Go ahead. Go ahead and talk about that. Um, I was just, you know, say that you you should never use violence against your daughter because you don't want to create that behavior that behavior pattern in her in her psyche and 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 then because what can happen is as a as a as a young woman as she as she dates with guys she'll she'll conflate that violence with a show of love you see what I'm saying like it's it's um you have to be more measured I think as you know, as a father, when it comes to dealing with your daughters, like you have to realize that a di- you have to take a different tactic. You know what I'm saying? I think, and in, in, in the black community, that to me, that is reversed. I think a lot of the mothers are extremely hard on the daughters for, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, an air of competition might be part of it, and then they are also, uh, you know, soft on the boys because there's this narrative that's been pushed about black men being targeted. We know which they are, um, you know. So there's a certain level of coddling that goes on of of black men, in my opinion, and, and it's predominantly at the hands of their mother. You know what I'm saying? And I think that this is why you have this crop of strong women and weak, psychologically demanded men. That's why, because the the patterns that are needed have, have that has been broken. You know what I'm saying? That has been broken because in many homes there isn't a strong masculine man there. But then another part of that, too, is the way we conceptualize what strength is and what masculinity is. You see what I'm saying? Like these things have to be fleshed out because there's so much confusion and so much, uh, you know, rancor that exists that we don't really see those things in clear and concrete defined terms. You see what I'm saying? Um we we're actually over the over the stream on blog talk. I'm probably going to go another ten minutes, and then we'll we'll just uh, we'll just cut it there. But so far, it's been a, it's been a great conversation. Cynthia, did you have anything you wanted to add on um on you know just ways of dealing with children as opposed to um you know turning to corporal punishment? Um yeah, I I wanted I agree with the the one on um, taking away privileges. Actually, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, right. And I think it depends on the kid because I'll tell you, I, I have a, a quite a bit of sisters, and I've always noticed how things like like with with me, physically hitting me doesn't really do anything. Like I, I'm, mm-hmm. you, you can hit me, I'm still gonna do or say whatever I want to say. And and when I was younger. I didn't get into too much stuff because I already knew that my mom had enough stress because she was a single mom with a bunch of kids and she had to work and go to school. So I didn't want to add additional stress to her. So that's what deterred me from doing things. And I think it it depends on 
knowing the kid, knowing what they value, and basing, you know, the punishment off of that. There, I don't think there's a one-size-fit-all for, you know, disciplining kids. Some people actually like to get hit. Like, I have a nephew, he likes being hit. So, of course, hitting him isn't going to work as a punishment because he likes it. So um, you, you just have to, to I, I think, knowing, you know, the kid's personality and what works, what they like, what they don't like, um, taking away privileges do work. For some of them, taking away their cell phone, especially being in, in, in this age where they can't live without electronics. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a, um, some of them like to go to school and, and they like, you know, dressing a certain way. I would make them wear secondhand clothes, you know, if, <laughs> if they want to act out. Because sometimes those things are more effective than actually physically hurting um, the kid because you're not obligated to have a kid going to school in the newest, hottest clothes. You're not obligated to do that. So those are privileges that they get. And and I, I do full, full wholeheartedly believe that withdrawing privileges work better than actually physical punishment. Right. Right. Yep. So, um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on, and maybe you could speak to this, April, because I said I was going to ask this question on the show tonight, and that is, does the black community suffer from PTSD? Yes, we do. I we suffer so. at, not traditional PTSD, the post-traumatic slave syndrome, absolutely, because another mental health therapist has conducted a study and it's actually been proven that trauma is passed down in your DNA. So, you know, there's scientific evidence saying that trauma, especially historical trauma, like that lasted a long period of time, is passed down through your DNA. So we definitely suffer from that. So we definitely have to change the way we communicate with each other we got to change the way we behave because the way we communicate with each other and the way we behave has been distorted because of So people say we always go back to slavery, but it's relevant because it's in our DNA. Mm. And I always knew that because I feel my ancestors and their pain all the time. I know it. And then mm. being that we're still in the climate today, you know, it, it exacerbates, you know, the way that we feel. So I definitely feel that way. But I did want to mention some other things that were brought up. Mm. Um, Miss um, Marsha in the comments, because I was reading some of the comments, she said we cannot promote recreational sex and then whine about the results. So that, you know, shout out to Miss Marsha. That is that is exactly how I feel. Now you guys say people are going to have casual sex, okay? Well then we're still going to have all this drama in our um, community. That's what I'm saying. If we continue to have, I casual don't think sex, that anybody's that promoting it. Oh, hold on. If, okay, I'm not saying anybody is, but I'm saying if we don't look at it as a negative and inform people that it is negative and negative consequences behind it. We have to put that word out there and we have to educate people and we have to research the negative consequences because in the mental health field, we research it, we have to put that information out there. We, we cannot act like that it's okay because mm. people are doing it. I'm not saying any individual on this show that now out there because I agree with Ms. Marsha. And um, one more thing that I did want to add as far as discipline, the most important way you can discipline your child is by modeling um, the behavior that you want your child exactly. uh, to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do all the time. And, and like I said, if I'm wrong, you know, one day I yelled at my daughter and I was out of line. You see what I'm saying? But I'm used to communicating that way because that's a part of our distorted way that we communicate with each other. So I had to check myself. I had to think about it. 
you know, and I was like, yeah, it's not right just to yell at you because she did something that upset me to that level. So I had to apologize for her, to her. And that's the type of behavior that I'm, that's modeling behavior. Because now I know if my daughter does something in the future, she might think about it. Well, my mom's about to apologize to me, and she didn't have to, so maybe I should do that to her and do that to other people. So modeling behavior, to me, is the greatest form of discipline. If you act um, the way that you want your kids to be, you probably won't even have to discipline them all that much. Right. Okay, um, April, I'll take that as your your parting thoughts. Um, Leona, I'll let you give your parting thoughts. And then, Cynthia, I'll let you give yours. How long do I have? Uh, about <laughs> like, five minutes, I guess. A couple of minutes. <laughs> um, no. Um, seriously, though, children are big on my list. I, I, I think, honestly, like, if I had to select the biggest thing on my list in terms of what I feel is a problem in our community and what needs to, to be emphasized or what needs to be uh, just highlighted, it would be children. Because I, I said it in the last live stream is that I think that we have some issues with our current generation, but our children can be, you know, basically they can be uplifted and they, they can be healed. They still have that optimism, um, even though they have a lot of, you know, roads ahead of them. They, they, they can be changed because they still have innocence about them. I love children. I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't 2018 and the world wasn't as crazy as it is, I would probably have had them. I'm not even going to lie to you. I love children. Um, so with my closing argument, I think that we need to actually think about what abuse means, okay? Like, honestly, like, look up what abuse means. Um, this whole idea of that abuse just takes place with a, 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 a woman child versus a man child I think there's only about a 5 to 8%, maybe less than 10% difference between the um, man children that are being abused. So that's very important because what I thought was very interesting, and I know we don't have a lot of time for that, mm-hmm. is that men, the, the, the children that, you know, went through their whatever they went through as a man, they were abused by strangers mm-hmm. as opposed to the girls that were more abused, and this is specifically sexually assaulted by people they know. Mm. So I would say that the women out there, the mothers that are out there, I'm a mother as well, start to think about where your your, your sons are going, okay? Mm. Be, be, be a little bit more um, alert with where, what your sons are doing. Don't care about whether they're 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. They're still children at that point. They're still able to be dominated. Think about the fact that this this stat, whether you agree with it, could be skewed to a certain percentage. The fact that when it comes to being sexually abused, the boys were um, sexually abused by people they didn't know. Because we tend to think, okay, my boy, you know, he's 12, he's 13, he's stronger than me, he's not going to be hurt. That's not true. Because we're talking about men that are like 20, 30, 40 years old, they're a lot stronger. So I just want to throw that in there. But my closing argument um, with this whole situation is that sometimes you're going to have to compromise. If you have a child, and even though you may feel lonely, you know, I understand 100%. Mm -hmm. Even though you may feel lonely, even though you may feel like life fell to a bad hand, you still look young as hell, 
but I'm just throwing that as in the side note. <laughs> so this time, um, you know, your child, it doesn't take long for them to become adults. It really doesn't, you know, and it's not just 18. It can be 20-something, whatever the case may be. It does take a long time for them to become adults. Sometimes you have to compromise and spend more chi- time on your child. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna do some more segments on different ways of, of raising your child. I don't want to take up too much time, but right. I think I'm speaking to mothers out there on just thinking about the fact that yes, it takes sacrifice. It's it's not right. You know, the man should be there. You shouldn't have to sacrifice that degree. But sometimes it's gonna take sacrifice to raise your your child. You know, period. I'm, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay. All right, uh, Sin, what you have to say? Um, I, I think in terms of, you know, abuse and, and everything that fits under the umbrella, what we really need is a shift in the mm-hmm. cultural dynamic and a shift in, in our mentality and the way that we think about things. Because the thing of it is, is regardless of whether you're having casual sex or whatever, there is a responsible way to go about everything. And with any action, whether it's deemed responsible or irresponsible, there is a consequence to it, be it negative or positive. Because the consequence doesn't necessarily mean there's something negative happening. You could be getting a positive consequence. Um, And I think that, you know, there are many people who go around and they have casual sex and there's, there's no negative consequences as a result of it because you don't necessarily have to have children as a product of that. And if people are having children as a product of it, then ultimately it's boiling down to irresponsibility. And if we had the mentality that we were going to take care of our responsibilities regardless of the circumstances in which they were created, we would see a different community. Because our right. men would be taking care of their children because they would realize that regardless of the circumstances in which I have this child, the child needs to be taken care of. And in terms of, you know, and then that right there would, would limit the amount of abuse that we deal with in, in, in our um, community. Because you do have a lot of people who are mad because they had a child and then they take it out on the child. So we need a cultural <laughs> shift and we need a shift in, in, our, in our mentalities. And I think that that will eliminate a lot of the issues that we have. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I totally agree with that. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank the listeners on Blog Talk. We had a few listeners. Um, Cynthia, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, April and uh, Leone, it was, it, it, it was a pleasure as well. You know, we're just getting started. We don't, you know, work the kinks out and stuff like that. But um, I just want to appreciate everybody for everybody for tuning in. Um, and make Black America great again. See y'all next yeah, time. Yeah, that was nice meeting you, Thanks. April and um, Leona. Definitely. You as well. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. All right. Good night, Sam.